0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 189 of Internet Marketing, brought to you by Site Visibility at sitevisibility.com.
1: That's us, that's me, that's Site Visibility.
0: Mr. Newman, what are we talking hey. about today?
1: So, as many of you will know, I'm a big fan of kind of looking into science, looking into economics, looking into psychology, looking into sociology, and seeing what kind of knowledge they've got there, the interesting stuff that they've learned from these scientific studies that they've carried out and trying to learn about that as marketers. Because if we want to try and influence people and make them purchase certain things or do certain things, we need to understand why people think and act the way that they do. So this is kind of a two-part episode where I'm going to go into um, 15 in total different kind of phenomena or trends uh, that I'll try and explain what they are. Um, And I'll only scratch the surface because these are kind of huge, complex you know, areas in each of their own right. But hopefully, they're ones where, and I'd recommend just going off and reading the Wikipedia pages about them because I'll give you a kind of a great insight to them. But,
0: so, we're going uh, to cover seven and a half in each
1: show. Seven and a half in each show, yeah. I think we'll probably go with six in the first, eight in the second. No. Okay. Yeah. It's right. Or however it is. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah uh, six in the first, anyway. Okay. Um, and then nine. No, anyway. So, the first of these is kind of choice supportive bias, right? So, choice supportive bias. And this is the tendency to remember one's choices as better than they actually were. So, and how how do you take advantage of this as a marketer? Well, it tends to be that basically decisions we made in the past might well have not been that rational or that good a decision, but after the event, we tend to believe that we made better decisions. So, what do we need to do about this? Well, you need to make sure that when people are making their first purchasing decision about you, that they're, you know, it's kind of perhaps really helping them make that first decision. Maybe even making a loss leader. Maybe even not really making a huge amount of profit for that first purchase. Because then, if it's the kind of area that they make frequent purchases, you're in a strong position. So, to give you an example of this, perhaps the first time I'm shopping around is you know, I, I develop a new hobby. I'm suddenly interested in home brewing. And I kind of shop around when I'm buying my first homebrew kit um, and, you know, look around 20 shops and look at all their delivery prices. And the one I finally go with is, you know, kelvinsbreweryshop.com because it offers you know cheaper delivery everyone else is charging 10 pound delivery and he's only charging two pound 50 delivery Mm. then afterwards i will believe that always that they have the cheapest delivery if indeed that was just an introductory offer or it's two pound 50 you know for new account holders or it's two pound 50 when you're purchasing a kit but if you're purchasing anything bigger it's 10 pound again if you see what i mean Mm. and i always tend to believe that and often you get the same kind of thing with cheapness as well so it might well be First time you purchase from someone, they seem really cheap, even though if afterwards they're actually about the same, you'll still perceive them to be cheap, even if they weren't. So kind of think about that that first choice that people are making, because they, you know, and kind of emotional decisions can often play into this. So you'll often think you might have, um, you know, bought a brand the first time around because you, you know, for entirely emotional, irrational decisions that you've got. But then afterwards, you will believe that you made a, a valid assessment based on positives and you know rational decisions you've made there so just think about that's choice supportive um bias next up is decoy effect now okay the the language here is a little bit um you know kind of confusing but it's the preferences change when there is a third option that is asymmetrically dominated right is
0: this the like um the prices are one pound uh, two pounds and a thousand pounds yeah that's, that's and you think kind of, that, of yeah that's, or, anchoring, or that's a bad example it's similar, yeah. similar
1: kind of thing but basically this might be a case where um so you've got two laptops to choose between and one has um one gig of ram and the other one's got um 1.2 gig of ram um and you know one's got you know, so you've got two computers one's got you know more memory one's got a faster processor and you don't really know which one to choose right mm. if you add a third option in that has you know um, the same ram so say you've got okay let's use numbers let's, this is easy to do from that perspective so you've got a one gig ram versus 1.5 gig ram yeah there are the two options and on the other one you've got like a 32 gig hard drive and the other one's got, like, a 16-gig hard drive, right? And they're your two options. And it's tricky to go, well, which is more important, the RAM or the hard drive, right? Mm. If I a third option that has 1-gig um, RAM, so the worst RAM, mm. um, but a 16-gig hard drive, suddenly the one that's got the 1-gig RAM... Do you see what I mean? It's kind mm. of that by adding one option that is, you know, inferior to one of the options, yeah. even if the other two are effectively similar, the one that is better than the one that's inferior will win that makes sense sort of yeah so basically what I'm getting at is sometimes when people have three options when they've got two options people struggle to make decisions if you want to steer people in a certain direction you can take one of those options and add something that compares but is inferior to similar but inferior to one of those options people will tend to go towards the one that is superior to the other one so you know that, that can happen quite frequently so it might be a kind of you know it's all the same but it's got like a you know, a slightly different setup. So that's worth thinking about there in terms of when people have to make decisions, consider what the impact of another option within it, even if it is an inferior option can influence the decision. There's also kind of distinction bias. So this is the um, the tendency to view two options as more dissimilar when evaluating them simultaneously than when evaluating them separately, right? So this is the kind of, if you put two products in a comparison chart... So to continue the laptop analogy there or smartphone analogy, if you put your iPhone in column one and your Samsung Galaxy in your column two mm. and you put them in a comparison chart and ask people how different they are, they say, yeah, they're really, really different. The specs are hugely different. Whereas if you put them on two different pages, people will see them as more similar right? Even if if the the, the specs are the same. Um, So think about that if you're trying to steer people again in a certain direction and you know that people have a choice, a difficult choice between two products, putting them in comparison tables can be a great way to kind of steer them in certain directions. So that's kind of the distinction bias. So when you put two things in opposition to each other, people see them as more different than perhaps when they're comparing two things in a different Setting there as well.
0: So it's almost like the closer
1: together they are, the more they see the differences. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah. That's a very good way of putting it. In. Sorry, yes. Yeah, so I was no, just trying to succinctly know. sum up what you'd said, yeah. Calvin. Um, next up, we've got the experimenter's bias, right? Um, and this is kind of a general scientific thing, right? But this is kind of the tendency to believe data that agrees with our expectations and to disbelieve, discard, or downgrade data that appears to conflict with our expectations. And you see this a lot in kind of A-B testing or kind of where people are testing different pay-per-click advertising. Always bear in mind that it is, you know, in innate within us that we will tend to see the patterns that we want to take from data so you know it's quite often we can give two data sets to two different groups of people and they take completely different analyses thereof so we're big advocates of you know test 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 you know on the internet marketing podcast test these different things but just remember that you you will see within the data the trends you want to see so sometimes it's best to let someone else assess the data who perhaps is a little bit more of an objective practical distance from it so bear that mm. in mind the experimenter's bias um, and this is kind of more to do like product photography if you're working in in e-commerce environments and this is the idea of functional fixedness um, which is kind of best exemplified by the candle problem which was an experiment that's taken place I think I mentioned this before so say that I give you imagine we have Andy one and Andy two um, Andy one I say Andy you need to fix this candle to the wall Right, mm. and I present to you um, a candle, um, a like box of matches, and a box containing some tacks, some mm. drawing pins. And what Andy will do to try and fix it to the wall, uh, you know, what would you do given that environment? You go, I'd melt the base and ram it into the wall. Yeah, there you go. Or you might try and kind of construct some kind of, you know, tap, you know, tack it to the wall, or all these types of like things by hitting it with a candle. Yeah, and using the using the drawing pins to fix the candle to the wall. Now, if I were to go, if I give to Andy two um, the candle, the box of matches, the tacks and drawing pins, and a box. So suddenly the tacks aren't within the box, mm. right? They're separate to it. I'd give it all to Andy one. Well, you give it all to Andy one. But no, what Andy two would probably be a little bit quicker to do, which is the correct solution, is thumb tack the box to the wall Mm. and then put the candle in the box right because what's happened in that environment environment is and they kind of use this test quite frequently to look at you know kind of creativity and do incentives make you more creative and that kind of thing is in the first environment you see the the function of the box to hold the tax Mm. in the second environment the tax aren't in the box the box is just a box Mm. and you kind of you look at things in a different way so that's kind of you know it you know function fixing this limit limits a person's you know to using an object only in the way it's traditionally used and i think this is kind of quite a lot why you see things like in the kindle adverts where people are showing them in the different environments so think about that when you're putting together your product photography if you're showing your product in use that's going to influence the way that people perceive that that would be used in quite a dramatic and pronounced way so if you are kind of showing photos in use which is a good thing to do try and think about having varieties of them From that perspective,
0: so using your product in all different sorts of scenarios.
1: Okay, and our final um, kind of idea is the idea of hyperbolic discounting. Now, hyperbolic discounting is the tendency that people have. Have a stronger preference for more immediate payoffs relative to later payoffs, and the tendency kind of increases the closer um, to the present both payoffs are. Right. So, so what's that in English? Can't in we? English, that is the kind of fact that people tend to have a preference for something, an, an immediate reward in terms of a long-term award.
0: Oh, was just the old kid saying you can have two sweets
1: if you don't eat the first one, or something. Yeah. So it's a kind of, yeah, Ish. exactly. Yeah, exactly. That. So it's yeah. a kind of someone would rather have one sweet now than two sweets. In two weeks' time, mm. right? Which, okay, maybe makes sense. It's kind of about the bonus now versus the time in the front. But bizarrely, to give to, to continue that analogy, so if I say you can have one sweet now or two sweets in two weeks' time, right? There will be a split. So probably, I mm. don't know, eighty um, percent of people will say, "Well, I'll have the one sweet now rather than two sweets in two weeks' time." But if you say you can have one sweet now versus two sweets tomorrow, bizarrely, unintuitively, completely against expectations more people will go for the one suite now. Mm. And it's just about the way we think, and particularly in kind of financial situations. So I think the suites one kind of falls down a bit there. But if you would say, do you want £100, you know, cash back now versus £200 in, two, you know, in a year's time? Mm. Um, more people will go for the £200 in two years' time than £200 in six months' time, which is bizarre. But you kind of, you need to understand, any anybody who's doing any kind of discounting or incentivizing or cash rebates or discounts in the future or savings, if you purchase things over a period of time you need to be looking into things like hyperbolic discounting so there's a few ideas there hopefully i've kind of given a a rough idea of what um what they sound like but definitely worth sort of checking these ideas out because there is the scientific proof and if you've got to price anything if you've got to choose how you structure a page of your site you need to kind of at least have a familiarity with some of these concepts and i think it makes your life and your ability to convert your traffic into customers a little bit easier
0: okay calvin I look forward to part two, where we will cover the remaining yeah. ones. Yes. With those strange scientific-sounding names that sound a <laughs> bit like um, sort of slightly embarrassing diseases, but never mind. Okay, so we'll see you next time on Internet Marketing. Goodbye from me, Andy White. And goodbye from me, Calvin Newman. We'll see you next time on Internet Marketing, brought to you by Site Visibility at sitevisibility.com. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Well, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. You can find us on the internet at www.internetmarketingpodcast.org where you'll find show notes, links and instructions on how to subscribe. We would absolutely love to get feedback, comments and questions from you. If you want to send an email, send it to kelvin.newman at sitevisibility.com. Also, feel free to comment on the website. And if you'd like to use our voice line number, if you're outside of the UK, it's plus four four one two seven three. Two five six one five zero. If you're inside the UK, it's 01273256150. And you can leave a voice, comment or question and we'll play it on the show. Also, we would absolutely be delighted if you would give us a, a rating on iTunes itself. Well, that's it for now. Andy White signing off until next week on Internet Marketing.